This episode of the Blue Hawaii Podcast featuring Consul General of Canada, Rana Sarkar, is brought to you by who else? Royal Thai Garden, Royal Thai Garden Epa Beach, your one-stop shop for all your Thai food needs. Go in, mention the Blue Hawaii Podcast, and see if they give you a discount. Sometimes they will if economic circumstances are permitting. Uh, now, we don't know, so don't be an asshole. Uh, that's Royal Thai Garden Epa Beach, 96706. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Blue Hawaii Podcast. I am Ryan Little. I'm Josh Michaels. That's Josh Michaels. He's back. He's back for yeah. another episode. Uh, folks, oh. we found How's him. How's it going, eh? I I sense that you are uh, speaking like a uh. certain person from a certain country. Oh, golly. I'm just so excited. This is, we had a really good show lined up. <laughs> uh, with whom? Uh, you know... Uh, you're, are you familiar with uh, international diplomacy? <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm sorry. We sorry, I'm American. Have, I am not a familiar have, with international diplomacy. We have an amazing two-part before and after. First part recorded uh, back in January, I believe, uh, when the Consul General was here. Follow-up part recorded last Thursday by our dear friend Ryan Little. We sat down first in person, then second virtually, uh, with Canadian Consul General Rana Sarkar, That's who represents... Big time. The great nation of Canada, our neighbors to the north, uh, to California, specifically Northern California, and the great archipelago of Hawaii. Do you know why Donald Trump could never win as an, a politician in Canada? Uh, literally everything about him. Canada's already great. That's why. And as you guys listen great. to... G-R-E-H-T. As you guys listen to our interview with, with Consul General yeah. Sarkar, uh, you will realize that he is indeed great. He's an awesome dude. Yeah. Um, we were super stoked to get to sit with him uh, while he was here in Hawaii uh, for a diplomatic mission and uh, was kind enough to give us some of his time. We think you're really going to like it. Uh, if you've ever sort of wondered like is canada better than the united states the answer is absolutely yes spoiler alert and uh you'll hear why uh, as we talk with him so listen to this episode uh dream of how good our country could be and also pending the results of this presidential election we may have to get in touch with consul general sarkar <laughs> and see if he can help uh you can fast the track process. Us? if you had to live in one canadian city where are you going vancouver vancouver i think I yeah. mean, Vancouver seems awesome, but I just feel like, I don't know, something about Toronto speaks to me. There's, I, Vancouver is my first choice because for literally uh, the principal reason is that I think it's the only Canadian city that has a climate I could come remotely close to not dying in. Is it? Does it not get super, super cold there? I think it, it probably gets cold, but like it certainly gets a heck of a lot colder in Toronto, uh, elsewhere in Canada, yeah, yeah. That's true. certainly not on the west coast. You know, you got the ocean. You got, you know, it's always like one of the top two or three cities in the world in terms of quality of life sure. by all the residential rankings. Like safe injection sites, if you decide to get an heroin. Safe injection. You know, Ryan, have you watched the news recently? Can you think of like a compelling reason not to do heroin? <laughs> Um, okay, we, we digress. Please, uh, the Canadian Consul General and the uh, government of Canada in no way not, endorse. They do not endorse the use of heroin. Uh, oh. In fact, I highly suspect that they downright oppose the use of heroin. And uh, well, we don't want to we don't want to put words in anybody's mouth. You know, no, I don't, I don't, I don't. So, anyways, uh, listen to this interview with Consul General Sarkar. Enjoy it. And uh, see what all the fuss is about. I love you. Love you too. All right, folks. Enjoy. We often hear holiday meaning white person in a negative connotation, but as a perfectly good word, it means foreign introduced to foreign origin or foreign introduction. So in Hawaiian, anyone or anything that is not native to Hawaii is haole. I'm Leilani Poli Ahu. Ahui ho. Haole. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Blue Hawaii Podcast. Season three, we are making Banger. international high-profile news here, folks. We are sitting down with Mr. Rana Sarkar, who was appointed as Consul General of Canada in San Francisco and Silicon Valley in 2017, and he is accredited 
to represent Canada to Northern California and Hawaii. That's us. He is also a member of Canada's NAFTA Advisory Council. He previously served as National Director for High Growth Markets at KPMG Canada, baller, and co-chairman of the advisory board at the Monk School of Global Affairs at the University of Toronto. Baller, and he may not even be religious. From 2009 to 2000... M-U-N-K, not M-O-N-K. He may not even be Tony Shalhoub. I think it was still with an O, From actually. 2009 to 2013, he was president and chief executive officer of the Canada-India Business Council. In 2005, Mr. Sarkar co-founded Content Partners, a global content agency. He began his career as a consultant at Roland Berger Strategy Consultants in London and Munich and helped establish Roland Berger in India. He's had a long career as a consultant and entrepreneur and has also lectured at the London School of Economics. And Never heard of it. I'm just kidding. What's the, the college football team, right? Yeah, the <laughs> fighting... Uh, the fighting econs. The fight, yeah. And the CASS Business School at the University of London. Consul General Sarkar, welcome to the show. Hey, it's uh, great to be here. Can I give you my special podcast advice? Because I know that you guys are seasoned podcasters and your Thank listeners you. are... Listen, so everyone just like turn this on to 1.5 speed. Yeah. Everyone sounds smarter, yeah. even better looking. Everyone has better hair and you're, it's more virtuous. You get through your day. That's true. Except for Josh. If you hear him on 1.5, it's like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I... Uh, I've, I've had as we've as we've done this. This is a learning process. Um, pace and volume control. It's true. I'm very ex- I'm very uh, excitable. Yeah, there you go. As, you know. Yeah. Uh, it's something we're all working on. I also, if you want to make everybody sound drunk, go to 0.5 speed, and it is unbelievable. Have you ever seen the videos of the Apple commercials with Jeff Goldblum, where he's in 0.5 speed? It's amazing. He's like, Apple, come You know what? Just insert the clip here. Internet and iMac, but now Apple and iMovies. We just want to get all our listeners on Actually, the same this page. Is, this is the biggest question we're going to ask, because let's lead off with a big one. To get, our, to get our listeners on the same page. Everybody, we want, no. We're going to give the newsworthy stuff right up front. Yeah. This is what the people are demanding. Consul General Sarkar, does Canada still make Labatt Blue? We do. And uh, there may be a case coming your way. I'm, I'm not promising, but, you know, we know a few people. Friends the, in high places. The Labatt Blue Hawaii podcast? Ooh, that sponsor. would be really can we, good. Can we, strike the, can we put some diplomacy in action and strike this deal right like now? Labatt Blue Hawaii I'll podcast. I'll get my best people on it. He's a consultant. This guy knows everybody. You know, when you're, when you're, when you're out in the field with your, with your maple leaf pin on your lapel. Looks beautiful. And you introduce yourself. What is Canada? How do you describe Canada? In three words or less. In three words. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's one um, word. That's one word. Wow. Um, three letters. Um, wow, we're, we're friendly. friendly. Yeah. We are, I, you know, I, look, I mean, Canada, I, I, first of all, we, we get this extraordinary reception. I'm, for that, I'm really glad. And I think that partly it's Must just be nice. because. We're the, we have to tell everybody we're from, from, we're from where you are can work on that as well that's another part of the conversation but uh, we uh, uh, we get an extraordinary reception and partly it's because uh, you know the the our, our governments our leaders are a variety of folks um, it's been the historic brand of the place for so long in terms of we are you know we're friendly we're committed we are you know some of the the folks that are standing up for the international order right now which is you know in a in a bit of a perilous state as many of you know and uh, so we're, 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 we're really happy with that reception. The, the way that I think of Canada, and I've said this to people when I'm drunk and probably when I'm sober, uh, Canada is what America thinks it is. Like, you guys are friendly, you're committed to the national order, you try to help people. And I'm just like, we conceive of ourselves that way. Like when you're in- Minus all the socialists. When you're a little, yeah, there you go. Uh, when you're, it's America with better, it's what America thinks it is, except that, you know, Canadian healthcare, obviously. That's what America could be if we didn't hate our poor people. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I seriously, I mean that. I mean, I whenever I meet people from Canada, whenever I read news stories from Canada, I'm just like, God, like, that is what they told me in civics class that the U.S. was supposed to be. I, you know, I, you know, it was jokingly said that, you know, the, you know, the American dream is alive and well and it may be in Canada right now. <laughs> Just move north. <laughs> but we say that, you know, jokingly, but I, I say that, you know, it's easy to also, you know, reify places and say, you know, our, our problems are of a slightly different scale than yours. And, uh, uh, but, you know, I think that what I see the most when I travel and when I'm, in the United States, I live in the United States, obviously, and 
is the commonality of the challenges that we're facing. And so part of that commonality is that, you know, we're all facing a global, you know, transformation in, you know, our energy systems, you know, the climate reality that we're facing. We're also, uh, you know, in terms of the, the, uh, the economic and uh, uh, geopolitical structure change that's taking place, uh, the generation change that's taking place, sure. and tech as the overlay on top of that. And so we see, you know, our challenges of a slightly different variety, but we see the commonality in those challenges as well. Oh, don't worry, we have yeah. questions about Drake coming later. Right, okay. Uh, so I, we, you know, if you're in 1.5 speed, you heard that very garbled, very long, very impressive introduction I gave you with your resume, all those, you know, those fancy words. I think you do that names. at two speed because like, and people, you know, just be, wow, okay, that was a lot of chunk of things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's like a Rorschach test. Whatever you take so, from that, that's who yeah. you are. But tell us, tell us the story. Tell us about the man behind the blurb. The man behind the, behind maple, the, leaf behind the maple leaf pen. Yeah. Yeah. Tell, yeah. Behind the maple leaf Who pen. Who is Ronald Sarkar? Not all heroes hey. wear maple leaf pens, but the one in yes. front of us does. I, so, so I am the product of, uh, my, my parents were born in India. And uh, they were living in Japan when they uh, all of a sudden decided that uh, they wanted to move somewhere and they were about to go to Australia. And uh, they came across the Canadian Expo exhibition in Osaka. And uh, they you know, went in and met some Canadian diplomats and they were impressed by what Pierre Trudeau was up to and the kind of vision of what the country was up to. That's so foreshadowing. They, oh, so we're coming and, full circle, aren't we? Wow. And, they, and they ended up in Halifax, Nova Scotia, of all places. Okay. So you can imagine a... Uh, a nice brown family moves to Halifax, yeah. Nova Scotia in the 1970s. <laughs> what's, and, the, um, uh, what's the average winter temperature in Halifax versus the average winter temperature in Calcutta? Oh, uh, pretty <laughs> significant, probably 30 degree difference. But uh, uh, but but nonetheless, I mean, it was a, it was a great upbringing in the sense that you know we you know Halifax is a, a smallish but you know pretty interesting community and. Uh, uh, you know, went, I went to school, uh, we moved to Toronto after that, and I went to school at uh, Queen's University, did an undergraduate in politics, and got involved in politics largely because, uh, you know, I, it was a sense that, you know, if as a young person at that stage in sort of the late 1980s and early 90s, it was, uh, you know, there was, uh, there was an opportunity to, uh, to, to make a real impact onto the world um, through politics. And, you know, little did I know when you, you end up working in politics that, you know, a lot of it is the, the great drudge work, but uh, you, you end up learning a few things. And then I subsequently went off to uh, the London School of Economics and got into, and developed a business career, an entrepreneurship career. But, uh, um, and Asia was a big part of that that because at this, that time you know I was there in London during the arc of sort of new labor starting oh, wow. from the middle of the 90s you know uh, all the way to you know the sort of 2008 uh, uh, financial crisis and during that period there was an, London was a the center of you know a certain uh, sort of global order that was taking place and that was you know between finance arts you know uh, uh, and politics as well, and uh, and Asia was a growing part of what I was up to, and so I was spending a lot of time sort of working and going back and forth. I lived in Asia for a while, and uh, and I recognized that as a sort of a meta trend that was really sort of evolving. And so my career has always been around public service, you know, uh, and also sort of the the, the growing trend in Asia. Uh, and technology is the is the other overlay of that. And so I was an entrepreneur during the first dot com boom, and uh, uh, which was uh, really uh, revelatory and, uh, and and interesting. Um, but uh, uh, but tech and the way that tech is transforming our lives has been, you know, a undercurrent of the things that I've been interested in public policy. And so. Um, so when I, I, I ended up coming back to Canada and uh, getting involved in business there, but I and also ended up, uh, uh, you know, fairly engaged with what uh, the Prime Minister Justin Trudeau has been up to. Uh, and so when the opportunity came to come out here and uh, to, to, to serve the government, and the natural thing was to say, well, how does this Asia uh, tech and, you know, sort of uh, uh, progressive politics uh, theme sort of overlay, and uh, and so we thought, you know, Silicon Valley was probably the the place that we needed to uh, to to really come and to, to see that. And part of that was because, you know, as you know, uh, it's not just you know the, the epicenter of the the world from a tech perspective, but it's also increasingly the sort of business engine of the world. And 
Uh, and so the future is being born there for better, for worse. And, you know, there's a lot of contested politics, but also some real opportunity, economic opportunity. And often those two things are conjoined. And to be, and, and to be fair, I mean, it's the, one of the great benefits of the role that I'm in right now is the ability to have Hawaii in the midst of that. And so sure. I know you guys are going to want, want to talk about Hawaii. And I think that, I think that, you know, I'll, I'll get into this, but I think that the, the thing that's really amazed me about Hawaii is that, you know, A, it's the absolute, you know, smack dab center of the Pacific. And from a geographic point of view, it is only going to become increasingly more and more important as we go into this world where the Pacific becomes the center of the action um, from a security point of view, but also from a cultural point of view. But the thing that really amazed me about it was the Aloha spirit, quite frankly. Like, I think that that sense of community, but also sense of openness um, and the kind of way in which Hawaii has, tip, has typically, and Hawaiians have typically approached not just politics, but also society and others, is going to become a valuable commodity in this next century. And Canadians, we share some of that DNA, like, and we share that some of that openness. Um, there's a quick fun story that, uh, that I, you know, sort of like to tell was that, you know, a lot of uh, Canadians don't know about their Hawaiian past in the sense that uh, they were, uh, you know, from the 1790s, you know, there were a number of Hawaiian uh, sort of sailors that ended up in, in Victoria, British Columbia. And, uh, and they ended up on the cargo ships. And, you know, there were, you know, a community in the beginning of the 19th century of over, you know, 900 Hawaiians, their own papers. It was a, it was a real community. And that was before British Columbia actually joined, you know, the Canadian Confederation. Wow. And so, you know, from a DNA perspective, you know, people in the west coast of Canada are really linked to Hawaii. Even so, even before, for example, like whaling took off, picked like, or just just around that time as well, or it, it would have been it would have been that 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 time frame. Oh. Um, but it would also have been, you know, there was the, the commercial cargo vessels that would have uh, been plying the Pacific at that stage, and. You know, it was pretty risky yeah. endeavors, and a lot of those sailors were the ones that uh, that peopled those ships. So, um, is this your first time in your official capacity visiting Hawaii, or you've been out here before? No, I get here about um, uh, four or five times a year. That's a good gig. Not and uh, yeah, I know it's it's uh, it's it's I great. Spend most and of my time in San Francisco, but I go to Hawaii. I, I go to go, I, I get to Hawaii every once in a while, but like sadly, uh, I guess I have to go to Hawaii yeah. again. Uh, Sa- and, sadly, uh, for us, alert, guys, uh, there's a lot of Hawaii people in San Francisco as well. Oh, there are. Yeah, yeah lots, and I come across uh, a lot of them when I when I say that I represent um, uh, Hawaii as well. And uh, and what's interesting about um, coming out here is that uh, you know people always say, oh, well, you're you know what a hardship gig you gotta go out there but uh but my trips here are quite busy like they're mm-hmm. you know they're they're really yeah. you're not just you like know, sort of my get off a on plane. the beach like no yeah, like none of that yeah. it's like you 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 come and you you do a, a set of meetings everyone's busy and uh uh and i really have yet to properly you know explore a long recreation sort of episode out here which is something that's on my bucket this sounds like a mini series that we so, need to do uh the the Labat's Blue Hawaii podcast tours Oahu with Consul Surf, General s- surfing, with Star, surfing with Starcar. I, I could Yo, do that. Yeah, I could do that. I'm really, I like I'm, this. I could. I could do that. We're, We're gonna really tag Labat in surfing. all of our social posts. Labat's is getting tagged. Perfect. Well, tech, right? Surfing, surfing the web. We, you know, we there we go. Many levels. So, what is you know you mentioned? Actually, I, I want to ask one more question. <sighs> Fine. How do you become? A consul general do you just is there just like an indeed post and you just click reply to like monster.com like yeah how's no, this work it's, it, so for the most part i mean we have a professional uh, diplomatic service and uh uh and then you you join that as a, as a as a young person and you 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 know graduate and get uh uh you know increasingly more senior and uh and then finally you become what they call a head of mission oh and uh and that's where you get to be you know, in charge of an entire mission and territory. And so a consul general is, is you know, in charge of a, a mission, a, a, a territory. Uh, ambassadors, you know, uh, equally for countries, mm-hmm. uh, ambassadors are in charge of, uh, of territories, and they're also called heads of mission. Yeah, I think I, I want to make sure I clarify that because uh, I don't think a lot, the average person really knows what a consul general 
is, you know, like it's like what is some sort of army. Oh, like or? the Canadian Army is here. Yeah, like, like well, I mean, the Canadian the, Army is here. Yeah, but Canadian like, that's Army different. literally. I is. so so in Silicon Valley, you can imagine that you know when they say the consul general is coming, and so they send their lawyer because they think I'm the general oh. consul <laughs> for some yeah. company. And they're like, what you know? Yeah, how's that? The how's the IPO coming? Where's the papers? Who brought yeah. the diplomat? Yeah. Let's talk about Delta. Yeah. yeah. So you, know, so you mentioned on these workshops, it's go, 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 go uh, back on the mainland. What's a typical day at the office like? That's a good question. It's, it's pretty various. I mean, so I'll have, you know, uh, any number of meetings already pre-booked in the calendar. And so, you know, I, I try to drop off kids in the morning. I've got three boys, uh, you know, seven, uh, 10 and uh, 13. And uh, so I try to drop off the kids in the morning and uh, get uh, extremely calm, placid household. Yeah, it's just absolute bedlam. You know, <laughs> you could move a keg in there, and you, you know, were just gonna be like, "I am the consul general of Canada. Put yeah. your damn shoes on." Exactly, exactly. And so everyone's like looks up from their gaming apparatus. Um, but uh, no, I mean, it's so I, I think that you know part of my day is uh, you know is is with the family and trying to get organized but uh, and it can be quite various i mean you're you know one day you're meeting you know other uh, diplomats you're dealing with local and state officials um, we spend a lot of time on what tech tech mm. diplomacy and and so we're often meeting you know different uh, regulators to academics to people involved at uh, universities um, you ever meet zuckerberg I have not met uh, Mark Zuckerberg. Huh. What about Bezos? It's a. Uh, I have met Jeff Bezos. Did you tell him to pay taxes? I I I was just you know I mean Jeff Bezos is a he's a pretty impressive guy. He's, he's in quite good shape. As well. Super yeah. He uh, wasn't he was he yeah. had that like yeah. Silicon Valley like, dad bod. Now he's like now he's Silicon. got the Mr. Clean action. Yeah. yeah the, the first earring. question that I would yeah. ask him is uh, what's you know, your routine? Like, yeah. Like yeah. what like, is your routine? Well, first thing, make a hundred billion dollars. Yeah. Second, <laughs> buy all first the free time to work out that you want. I pay nutritionists. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, very interesting. So, are you following the Ambassador Marie Ivanovich story? Um, I I have for for those is this, of our this maybe is this one of those things that. Uh, I, I, yeah, I, I have. We'll wait for uh, more information. Then, to come then, that's exactly. all you guys said. I'm not, I'm not, you know, exactly. I'm, I'm not privy to say. For those of our listeners at home uh, who aren't familiar, uh, basically. This afternoon, uh, it was revealed that quite possibly uh, the president's lawyer was trying to have his uh, goons put on a hit. <laughs> on she, probably, she probably was going to do an imminent attack on the United States troops. Oh, that's a that's a bad joke. Ayatollah, yeah. Ayatollah Marie. Anyway, uh, um, okay. Well, we've talked about the connection between Canada and Hawaii a little bit. We've heard that Canadians remain the second largest group of foreign tourists in Hawaii, by an only Japanese tourists. Um, why do they all go to Maui? That is true. I, I, you know, this is it's a very good question. Like, I, I, I wonder why you know they're not in Kona or they're not here or elsewhere, but. Um, I think it's just been a, you know, the history of that connection and particularly the West Coast of Canada and Maui has been extremely strong for generations now. And so I think that you're seeing multi-generational travel where you, you know, the grandparents started coming and then the parents and then now the kids are coming. And so you're, you're just getting a snowball effect there. But it's true. We've had almost, you know, I think it was close to 900,000 last year um canadians that, that are here uh you know at, at some stage and for a country of 37 million yeah that's that's not that's not bad number i i was shocked the first time i went to maui i was i was down in kihei and we were visiting some friends who live over there and i like got there and i was just like talking to people and i was like oh where are you from and they're like canada 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 i was like oh my god and somebody's like yeah you didn't know and i was like no i've never heard about this and they spend 1.6 billion dollars that's here. a ton of money that is, uh, that that's, is that's that's good change. That is like that's point eight percent of Jeff Bezos's net worth it's that they not spend every year in the state of Hawaii. Being being locked into a uh, tourist economy is not ideal, but if you have to do it, at least it's Canada. At least, at least Canadians, oh, it could be the worse. Best. It could the, be, yeah, nobody complains. Could be about Americans or British people, <laughs> or or British <laughs> British people are yeah. they English English football fans. Oh, like Amer Oh, like yeah, footballers. I, I, I think that you know, and I you know, I'm proud to say this. I think that Canadians are exemplary tourists. Everybody and, loves them. Uh, we you know aspire to have more come through, and uh, I, I think that you know we we of course want to be respectful while we're here. So, 
So we've also, uh, we've gotten, we solicited our listeners for questions and we received uh, questions about- Can we talk about Rush or no? Oh, I'm sorry. RIP. That, that was Neil All Peart. the flags have been ordered yeah, half-mast. Okay, okay, okay. half-mast. Okay. Yeah. All right, yeah. Um, we were actually, that is in the notes. We were going to get to that. Right. We solicited questions from listeners and a lot of people wanted to talk about Canada's relationship with its indigenous populations. Um, Canada's problem that has arisen, I should say, where uh, a lot of indigenous women have been missing, just gone missing or right. been found dead. Yeah. Um, any thoughts on like what's, driving that or what the potential resolution there is. I mean, I, I know that yeah. it's sort of out of mission for you as the yeah. Consul General to Hawaii I, in Northern I, California. But yeah, I, I apologize for not having, you know, uh, greater expertise in this this area. But it's, um, I, but as you know, uh, uh, when the Trudeau government was elected, the, one of the first actions was to, um, to stand up a, a commission on uh, murdered and missing Aboriginal women. And, uh, and part of that was just to get at these answers. It was clearly a, a you know, recognized as a, a societal-wide failure that had many different points there. Um, and, uh, and I think that the, you know, as the recommendations came down, I think that they were extremely w widely received and well-received. And, uh, and many of them had been taken up, if not all. And, uh, and I think that this challenge and the kind of broader recognition of the importance of indigenous inclusion and taking and, and, and rewriting the relationship, mm -hmm. the, the so-called nation-to-nation relationship, and uh, uh, that you know, has been a, a part of Canadian history, certainly, has been a feature of and a, and a significant commitment of the government uh, over the last uh, uh, five years or four years. And I, uh, I, I think that that trend is going to continue as well. I think that, you know, particularly uh, when you speak to younger Canadians, they are extremely engaged on these issues. Um, and I, I think it's a good thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that you're seeing uh, that level of engagement globally as well on these issues. And, uh, and so I, I think from Canada's point of view, we recognize that, you know, uh, you know the past has by, by been far from perfect mm -hmm. and uh, we need to take steps now to uh, uh, to get to why w or and how we've been where we are, and what active steps we can take to ensure that uh, the future is very different from the past. And then we also uh, we spoke off air about um, Canada's involvement in uh, Mahipono LLC, which a lot of our Hawaii listeners right. will know uh, as the company that many are saying is uh, stealing. Uh, water on Maui to the extent that streams are running dry, um, you know, fields can't be irrigated, so on and so forth. Um, and just for all our listeners out there, we did ask the question and uh, Consul General Sarkar was saying that it's really kind of outside your purview, that it's not involved. Yeah, it's not I, Canada it's, official, it's, it's, it's sort it's of it's pension not, it's funds. Like, so it's, it's well, the, well, well, yeah, it's imagine the PSP, that. It's, it's not the, my fault. <laughs> it's the PSP pension fund, which uh, I, I don't know if... Uh, you know, just the way in which our our, our public pension funds operate as uh, private entities. Sure. And so, and they have their own separate mandates, and uh, uh, so they're not, uh, you know, uh, under the wing of government in any way. Well, we asked. So if uh, if our listeners hear that and they say, "Sorry, that's not good enough," and they call your office to complain, right? Uh, what's the uh, what's the call referral process like? And well, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I mean, are, are we, you know, perhaps we can explore. But uh, I, I, I think that, you know, these the issues that, you know, are, are clearly present in the in you know, are things that we're broadly uh, seeing around the world. Yeah. And uh, and these are issues of, you know, any type of uh, big public project that particularly has a, you know, a green mission or a social mission that's associated with it. Um, you, know, you know, folks need to, you know, to listen, to be respectful, and, and processes need to be put in place. And I think that we're seeing that, you know, across the board where, you know, companies are engaged. Uh, we're seeing it in Canada. We're seeing it, you know, everywhere. And I think this process that we're seeing is more of a feature of how business is being conducted mm -hmm. now. Another question that our listeners have asked us to ask you is, you know, Australia's on fire. California's 
off and on on fire all the time. Uh, the South is inundated with hurricanes every year. And all of that is due to climate change. And yet Canada's tar sands and oil extraction industry is booming. Even though the government is saying, at least they certainly, certainly yeah. to a better extent than our government. God, is. Yeah. They, yeah. You know, they talk the talk when it comes to the environment, climate change, but we don't necessarily see walking the walk. Now, as somebody with a background in entrepreneurship and tech, and right. you, un- you see the competition between a better vision for the future, our dependence on resources, how to balance that transition and how to move into a better world. How do, how, what are I, your No, I, I, I completely agree. I think that, you know, the, and particularly from resource uh, uh, extractive economies or com- or economies that have had resource extraction as a feature of their economies. This this we're in a broad energy transition globally, and uh, uh, it it is completely possible and desirable to be able to grow your economy and also uh, be good to the climate and be an effective. Uh, uh, actor in the global climate process, and uh, and I think that the the work that uh, uh, the previous uh, 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 environment and climate change minister Catherine McKenna did in her during her tenure, and her leadership at the uh, uh, at, at Paris and uh, in through the global processes, I think has made a a, a big um, uh, uh, sort of uh, move forward. I think in in terms of. Uh, uh, the leadership and leadership potential of countries like Canada. Um, and I think the Prime Minister has been very clear as well in terms of, uh, you know, we are, uh, you know, we, we, we are going to continue to, you know, work with our industry to make sure that it's an efficient and effective industry. And, uh, and I think we can achieve the results that, you know, we're all after in terms of ensuring that there is a uh, a glide path and a, a way forward for this transition. All right. Now for some more Canada-specific questions. Which of these three laws is really a law in Canada? Number one, it's illegal to take a bandage off in public. Number two, it's illegal to drag a horse that's dead down the street. Number three, it's illegal to pay with too many coins. Number two. They're all real Canadian laws. They're all real Canadian laws. According to narcity.com, which why would we doubt their credibility? I don't know. Narcity, you know. <laughs> narcity. The, this is, I imagine like when you get in the office the, and you open your, you know, that day's briefing papers, this is top Narcity. Like nar- this is, you know, look, I mean, this is, I, I'm learning here, folks. Like this is, this is good stuff. Name two Canadian rappers other than Drake The Weeknd The Weeknd's the Canadian The Weeknd's Canadian You don't know the Also is this he is, wait wait hold on hold on hold on This is are just we more giving, Are we going to give The Weeknd the rapper title Yeah He I feels think, more like a singer I think. Oh you know what I'm going to I'm going to pull up something really old school Okay because he's back in the news these days Okay Snow You see here's the thing Here's the thing, everybody. Uh, like, Consul General Sarkar could just be making this up. I don't know. I don't know. There's Snow a Canadian rapper, and he called himself. Snow. Why was yeah. there's maple was syrup? I, sorry, was taken. ice hockey like, taken? Was, like, was, was maple syrup taken? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Molson was yeah. already a rapper. So, he's got. So I'm gonna look look this up. Put okay. this in the show notes. I have put this in the show notes. Uh, we, and he's he's featured on something. As okay. Well, what is it? Was he featured on? He's like someone said a redo of it, uh, his uh, his his track that came out about well, twenty five years ago. Uh, uh, Mr. Mister Weekend, if you're listening, uh, I apologize for the American cultural hegemony that no. just assumed. Yeah. I'm I, like, I mean, I'm just thinking like the weekend is. I'm thinking like Starboy. Like Starboy was a huge yeah. hit. He was never really rapping in no, Starboy, yeah. was he? I mean, it was kind of like a. Okay. Oh, oh it's hard to say. Here's a, like here's, the, a, here's a question. You know, uh, speaking of the weekend, changing. What is the song? And this is a test of your diplomatic acumen. Yeah. Uh, what is the song I Can't Feel My Face really about? A, a woman. B, not a woman. <laughs> I, I, this is, this is, this is really it has testing a, my diplomatic. Th- what was the name of the other, here. the other rapper you mentioned? Snow. Snow. Yeah. I gotta, a, you know, I, a woman. Like, I am, I am, I am, exactly. Okay. Exactly. You know. um, okay. More hard-hitting questions. Yeah. We're, oh. So it mentioned in your resume, you are a member of Canada's NAFTA Advisory Council. Right. So uh, I don't know much about international trade, 
but uh what the hell is going on <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah basically what so you know art not I love that, his response, like, yeah not you know not that not that we take anything our guy says at face value, but we NAFTA right. is the, the worst. US trade representative is not terrible. terrible. He's not bad. Uh, U.S. Yeah. The Canada's ripping us off. Mexico's Lighthizer ripping us off. Lighthizer. Lighthizer. Yeah. Lighthizer. Oh, yeah. We've agreed this new deal. It's terrible. And then yeah. even the people who say who the people who love so NAFTA to begin with, I, and the people look, who hate Donald Trump now are signing up for this deal, but some are not. Like yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's like I, I think if you really back it up, you know, when NAFTA first, you know, got. Uh, you know, it, agreed to in 1994 um you know i i think that it it didn't exactly enjoy a huge amount of public support people just didn't understand what it was about and those who did you know looked at it and said um you know where are the supports mm-hmm. for uh folks who are going to be hit hard by this this deal and i think that you know the the history of um the the last 25 years of of trade and how NAFTA started to lose uh, support, you know, particularly political support, you know, across across the aisle, quite frankly, uh, but also in in, in many quarters, um, I, you know, no one had really put the positive case for what NAFTA was and you know how much trade it was supporting and the, you know what the benefits were to a variety of folks, and partly because um, there were some downsides and a number of people did. Uh, uh, suffer for as, as a result of some of the downsides of that trade. Well, it's I, I, not just NAFTA, but it was also at the same time the China's entry into the WTO and and the way in which trade and tech um, uh, came together. I, I think you really hit on it with trade and tech. I mean, that's sort of Andrew Yang's entire platform Correct. is yeah. that you know where everything's going to be automated, and so it makes sense to do it in places that have you know lower capital acquisition costs, like places where you can like where you're you're basically where you're what you're going to spend to build your robot factory is going to be cheaper than building, you know, like what Foxconn was supposed to build a billion dollar plant in Wisconsin. It was going to make like a thousand jobs, like a billion dollars is going to get you a thousand jobs. Like that sucks. So those two trends that were taking place, you know, in the, in the nineties that then got accelerated and the, you know, the first being the globalization of production more generally, the great sound of that and the great second sound or, you know, whatever you want to, want to, you know, label that. But, uh, and, and the second is, you know, what, you know, Andrew talks about, but a number of others have talked about is essentially the dematerialization of the economy or the digitization mm-hmm. of the economy. And so, you know, as, you know, a number of folks say, you know, it wasn't trade that stole your job, it was tech that stole your job. And, but I think that, you know, those two, the combination of those two forces, you know, resulted in, you know, the, the loss of trust in the global trading system. Yeah. And I think that, you know, whether it was, you know, this administration or whether it was a, another administration, um, there would have at some stage been a call to review the trade arrangements that, uh, that, that are out there and, and in multiple countries as well. And I think what this negotiation did achieve, like after, you know, there was a lot of like most trade negotiations, there's a big brouhaha and there's a, sure. you know, uh, there's a you know a, a point of of tension. There's some dramatic start of the deal. There's maybe. a dramatic moment, and and uh, then all of a sudden there a, a a deal comes out of it, and that's just you know trade negotiation 101. And I I think that this uh, agreement you know ultimately because of the improvements in the labor and the environmental standards, the uh, the way in which um, uh, Mexico has been brought into this um, has been a a, a market improvement on what was there before, and uh, and so the process, however messy, getting us to where we are right now, actually ended up in a a better outcome. And what's shocking about that, I think a lot of people don't understand, at least in, from the United States perspective, is that while the president and his administration sets the policy goal for um, for trade, the negotiations are undertaken by somebody who is like not necessarily the most political actor like we're talking about the u.s trade representative so um it could have been that same policy could have happened whether you know ted cruz was elected president whether hillary clinton was elected whether bernie sanders like it's 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 interesting how for all the rhetoric rhetoric trade while it is very political also sort of stays above the fray in most cases i mean except you know china or some you know i don't want to be going to call any countries who may have uh 
obstreperous milk policies. But uh, well, you know, um, uh, but Canada, I mean, the, the, the relationship between Canada, and the United States in, in trade, you know, the, uh, the trillion plus relationship uh, and as it will go down as one of the most successful relationships um, in any during this this the modern trading period and and I think that the the big concern from our point of view was that you know we wanted to ensure that you know whoever we were negotiating with down here had an understanding of you know the vibrancy of that relationship how economically important how many million American jobs um, depended on this trade with Canada and so um, often Canadians fly under the radar and you know oftentimes that's good and in other times uh, you know it was important to have our voice at the table to you know ensure that you know people understood the stakes you flex that muscle eh? yeah and and I think that that was you know and it wasn't you know to be you know uh, bellicose or any of that I think you that guys did burn down the White House once well you know I was like you know we might blame the British for that but uh, you know um, classic Canada but what we what we did was, uh, you know, we fanned out across the United States and uh, we infiltrated. We no, but we 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 just raised these issues with uh, with with our the political leaders down here, with uh, business leaders down here to you know raise the awareness of what was at stake, and uh, and ultimately I think that the result was was a was was a good result. I saw I saw Bernie Sanders load a van full of senior citizens. Uh, and drive across the border to buy prescription drugs. Can we expand that to other areas of the market? Do we even need a trade agreement? Can we just have... Just send them over on the boat? Yeah, so you guys I don't think here? that will work. Okay. No, okay. <laughs> that will not work. Is Toronto basically just a clean New York? No. It's a... Uh, Better it's, than it's, that? It's, yeah, no, their there's, basketball there's, team there's, actually there's wins. A, there's oh. there's another, there's a, oh, okay. There is a, uh, there's another level of things going on in Toronto. But Toronto's an amazing story that's that's taking place i mean you know uh, here's a city where you know it was you know a relatively it was relatively smaller than montreal in you know the 1970s early 1970s and montreal of course hosted olympics in 1976 you know toronto was a uh you know not of the same scale but you know during that period toronto has gone from you know a city that you know the greater uh, area now is about five or six million people 50% visible minority yeah. population. Uh, it is vibrant in many levels. There is a, There are 120 cranes up right now for buildings above 40 stories. And it, uh, partly it's a, it's just, a, there are, I think it's the fastest growing uh, metropolitan region uh, in North America um, outside of the Dallas-Fort Worth area where most of the immigration is actually coming f within the region. Mm -hmm. Um, or within the country, and whereas Canada or, or Toronto, most of the the influx is coming from a global population base, and so w something interesting is kicked off there, and it's the kind of you know uh, the the Drake to the weekend phenomena, the you know what the Raptors are to the city, yeah. the way in which the city is you know growing to what you know some folks call sort of a city of scale globally, and. The tech economy has really taken off as well. And so uh, there's something interesting that's happening there culturally. And uh, and cities have their moments and places have their moments. And Toronto's going through a big moment right now. Shout out Bobby Webster, Iolani, Iolani sure. Grant, Iolani yeah. O2, general manager. Of the Toronto Raptors. Just, just yeah. a Hawaii boy helping Canadians achieve their dreams, just like we're doing right now. There you are. <laughs> there you are. What's it like, uh, what's it like to actually like your healthcare system? Mm. You know, and this is really interesting because I mean, look, the Canadian healthcare system is in. You know, we have multiple provincial healthcare systems. We don't have one healthcare system, but and you know, we. But how do you uh, socialize it? Well, we we here's the thing. Like, it's not perfect. Have you ever been on a death panel? <laughs> no, there are no death panels. There are no death panels. Sure, that's what they say. And uh, but by and large, you know, it's uh, it, it works you know, it, amazingly efficiently in most places. And, you know, there still could be improvements to it, but it is a, I think healthcare as a right in this next economy is going to become one of those assets that make countries competitive. And it's not just Canada that's that's competitive in this regard. I mean, and really look at anywhere in Europe or- Literally know, every other in, developed nation except for us. Look in, uh, but healthcare is, uh, you know, it's a very important 
uh, piece of the security puzzle mm -hmm. for individuals. And, uh, uh, and I, I, I think that for Canadians, we're, we're really proud of what the system that we currently have. Although, look, we're always looking to improve it. Let's talk about wealth inequality. Obviously, that's been, you know, the story of the last decade globally is wealth inequality is just unbelievable. I mean, you look at emerging economies, like uh, Josh and I spent time in Southeast Asia. We were in Jakarta, for instance, and you can go one block and there's a million dollar high rise with, a, you know, Benz and Rolls Royce out front. And then you go one block over and there's running water and people are, you know, using the bathroom outdoors. How is that hit for Canada? And I guess I, I'm curious, as, as since you were working for KPMG and have been involved from, it looked, I, I mean, own like a content business, it looked like uh, there was a private equity firm of some sort in there. Um, what's your perspective on that? Because it's getting really hard out here. <laughs> yeah, I look, I mean, I, I think that the inequality part of the puzzle has uh, been core to the mandate of, you know, progressive politics for probably the last seven or eight years. And, you know, maybe it was the Piketty book that sort of kicked it off and uh, a lot of academic work that was being done, including, you know, a, a really good book by our Deputy Prime Minister, Christopher Freeland, who wrote a book called Plutocrats and um, really getting at the the issue of, you know, the rise of particularly the billionaire plutocracy. I mean, Silicon Valley. In many ways. Yeah. Silicon Valley. And um, we, uh, we look at it from a perspective of that if you want to have the social license to do anything, you need to ensure that people from, you know, who aren't just part of the 1%, part of elites, um, part of, you know, the, the folks that have benefited from the financialization of the economy um, are full participants in the society. And, you know, we've been benefited from the fact that, you know, we've had uh, a number of policies in place by, by all governments. And it's not just, you know, a progressive issue in Canada. There's just a, it's a broad consensus around, you know, healthcare is a piece, piece of that puzzle, you know, social assistance of, of various sorts at the federal and the provincial level. Um, to ensure that people don't fall through floors. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, and I think that we've done a, uh, and we are working on, you know, ensuring that that, you know, takes place, that makes sure that we, uh, you know, can see people through the economic transitions that are taking place. Because uh, the political settlement and the quality of your society really depend on getting this right. And we're entering a kind of a, a max phase of that globally right now. I think that you, you've identified it. And, uh, and so I think that the work of governments everywhere over the course of this next you know, 10 years, you know, welcome to the 2020s, is going to be about how we start to uh, provide various forms of security that don't look like maybe the, the security that was created in the post-war settlement. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and, and take care of folks during this transition, because this transition is, is, you know, it's getting real for a lot of folks and has been real for a lot of folks. To kind of further that, that line of discussion, um, you were the national director for high growth markets at KPMG Canada. And uh, would it be um, too general for me to assume that India was a, a huge market? Huge part of it. Yeah. So um, as, assuming that um, you know there's some policy stuff that big three firms like KPMG, EY, um, Deloitte, uh, I say big three, but there's a bunch of them now. Look at this insider um, lingo. <laughs> uh, the big three consulting or big, big consulting firms, generally BCG, not being the least of which, uh, that they, they do a lot of policy stuff, but they also do uh, probably more, I would assume on the market side. So like, when you were with KPMG and working in the high growth markets like India, like was that ever a, a value that KPMG or that, that you guys were considering? Because it sort of feels like what you, you mentioned that, you know, we're going to have to change from the post-war order, the post-war um, paradigm of how we understand growth and, and equality and, and what is sufficient for human life. Um, 
But it's weird because it's like, it didn't feel like anybody was really talking about that for a really long time. We just kind of assumed it would work itself out. And then we found out there was like this malignant greed that just took over the world. And somehow we find ourselves, you know, running GoFundMes in the United States to pay for cancer. You know what I mean? Like, I, well, I, I think what, that, what was it like? You know, yeah, in your I, I think that, there. you know, look, I mean, I, I think that this has been a kind of a, a, a gradual movement over the last 20 years. And certainly like the last, say, 20, 20, 25 years that I've been in business and in, you know, in government-y things and, you know, talking about uh, progressive politics and whatnot is that, you know, the, 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 for the longest time and the settlement in, you know, this country, you know, Britain, the West in general, Canada, you know, was that, uh, uh, you know, a market solution to uh, the challenge that around, you know, we can grow our, our, our way through uh, any challenge that we, we see, and markets are um, an unalloyed good. Mm. And that consensus lasted, I think, until the global financial crisis. And it was already fraying before then. I think that there was a recognition that I saw yeah, like that, shit wasn't you know, great beforehand. Yeah, that I that I saw that you know it was a, re- a recognition broadly in, and you were seeing it in various places, like the highest levels in business, and you know the kind of so-called Davos level conversation, mm. <laughs> um, and you were also seeing it on the ground with younger people in business, and you know who were saying, hey, look, you know we're looking to work on more meaningful things. And we see these outcomes as, you know, not the greatest outcomes. We want to work on things that we care about. And so business started to come to terms with the idea that, you know, they're going to have to change both internally with as organizations, also some of their business models and some of their business practices. And I think that that consensus of needing to change is about a decade into the works now. And... Uh, and I think that we're we're at another inflection point, um, and I think that you know governments are going to have to you know come to the table, as our government has in many ways, um, around the world to start to look at you know what this next phase of structural change needs to be, both at the international institutions level, both the way that you know global finance works, the way that you know we incorporate climate into the, that that conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and also the way that, you know, we think and regulate about technology. When was the first year that all of us believed that climate change was real? What do you think, Josh? What's climate change? (laughs) Do you remember like the first time you ever like, this is real? And it's like, and then when was the first time you're like, oh, this is going to potentially kill everybody? I think it was this, the, the, the first time, I mean, like academically, you'd know like what oh what they tell you know 97 percent of scientists but like yeah but like for a long time it wasn't that high this year when um i think out of like the first 250 days of the year like 218 of them broke that day's heat record in hawaii yeah yeah that was probably it when was the first time like when you first heard inconvenient truth were you like this is real I was like, oh, Al Gore, this is the, I mean, I don't know. I was like 14. I was like, oh, that's that's like when were you like, like this, this is legit. This, this is a real thing. George W. Bush. Like, what does he know about? <laughs> I don't, I don't think yeah. I, I don't think I believed it until. Not in Alabama. 2000, no, certainly not growing up in Alabama. Climate no. change is not real. It's still not real there. Um, excuse me. Excuse us while we date ourselves. Yeah. Sorry. Um, I, I don't think I believed it until probably 2014, probably 2013. It, that was like when I was like, okay, this is probably a real thing. Cause I, I moved to Hawaii in 2012. So it was a pretty quick change, but I'm curious, like for somebody who is there on the, on the, you know, growth side, who has had access to better information than we did as two little dumb kids. Like, yeah. What about I, you? When was the I, first I don't, time? I don't like, you know, I, I think it was in the early nineties. I think it was like really early nineties when so you were like uh, Bernie Al Sanders Gore level first started coming out with, you know, his work. Um, and the recognition in the world of, you know, like people that were much smarter than I am that, you know, were, were into the science of it that, that I knew, um, well, they were convinced. And so this idea that, that you know, the uh, amount of carbon in the atmosphere is, is increasing, it's caused by humans, and, it's, uh, and there is a, a, a you know, a, a definite upward, you know, trajectory on that, you know, that idea has been around for the better part of 20 years but i think what you're getting at though is something that 
is more important. And it's, and it's when does something happen that all of a sudden congeals the public imagination where there's urgency associated with it? And I, I agree with you. I think that that, you know, fundamentally is something of the last four or five years. Mm -hmm. And it also took another generation to get involved into the public conversation. People had more buy-in in the outcome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, How dare I mean, yeah. you? <laughs> you are destroying the world. <laughs> That's my Greta impression. You're who? Greta. Oh, What's Greta Thunberg? Yeah. I thought you were doing a Russian thing. I was like, I don't get this. Be best. <laughs> well, the, so the reason I ask yeah. about, about the question about climate change is because um, climate refugees is going to be a huge issue that faces everyone throughout the next 50 to 100 years, um, assuming we make it that long. And uh, one of the countries that's shown the most pro-immigration, pro-refugee stances in, in the Western world is Canada. Um, what is it like understanding the realities of what's coming and contrasting that with the realities of what exists in Canada currently, and then maybe even more so, like your neighbor to the Canada's south moving the complete south. opposite direction. Yeah, and like what what is that? What is that yeah. like as somebody who's in a, a diplomatic position, but also has access to the market segment and understands sort of really where the world's going at a at a with more insight than most people. So I, I think that you know you're you rightly point out. I think that Canada has been um, enormously successful in it the management of its. Uh, the immigration discussion over the course of, you know, not just this government, but I mean, prior governments, and it's all governments of all stripes in Canada as well. And so we typically, we, we were, um, we, we didn't ha really have a kind of uh, a nativist political reaction to, you know, immigration. There was a broad consensus. And, you know, I think that broadly still exists uh, in Canada that immigration is a net good for the country. And, uh, and it's been proven out and, you know, time and time again. Like if you look at the growth of Canada, you know, a significant, you know, uh, uh, contributor to that growth is the growth in the population that's taking place, which is a significant um, uh, contributor to that is, is obviously immigration. And there's also a sense that, you know, we have been good at managing the process of immigration. And it's not to say it's perfect, but we have uh, uh, been on top of it to the point where, you know, we uh, have been good at selecting immigrants and in, you know, ensuring that, you know, the, uh, the, the, the talent pool that we're, we're growing is, uh, is well integrated as well. And, um, and, you know, there have been a number of programs over the last, uh, uh, you know, several years that I think have done really good work on that and some of it at a provincial level where the provinces themselves are actually working to um, uh, both select and integrate uh, uh, immigrants um, and also at the at the national level and you know I in some ways I mean there's a is a huge opportunity for Canada right now because there are a lot of very high talent people that are around the world that are looking for you know a place to be and to grow and they're attracted by the values of what Canada represents, what the opportunity that's there, and so we're we're excited about um, you know continuing to to work on that agenda, recognizing that doing immigration well, being fair and just in that process, and being seen to be fair and just in that process is a very important part of keeping the license for immigration, and uh, and I think that that's a you know that's a consensus across the board in Canada. So I think last, we have one last serious question before we move in well, to our lightning round. Very yeah, lightning round, and we'll let you get it. We're taking up enough of your time. The so this was far and away the when I mentioned soliciting questions, Canadian VIP, business and politics. What do you want to know? Uh, this was the overwhelming most asked question. Uh, I did take a swing at you know diplomatically cleaning it up a little bit, um, rather than just ask. Hey, what's the deal with Justin Trudeau's brown face? Uh, let you know, it's one thing to see it, and we had the exact same thing in America. You know, uh, the governor of Virginia, ostensibly liberal, forward like half the governors of half, the United States yeah. for some reason. And then these old photos come out. You know, uh, it's one thing to see it as a constituent or a voter, but in this case, you know, it's your 
boss, boss's boss technically, or you know, uh, somebody who appointed you, somebody you have a professional relationship with. Would you mind talking a little bit about for the government in Canada, what that whole revelation process was like and, and your thoughts on how this is still something that we're, you know both our societies are dealing with? Yeah, I, look, I mean, I, I think that, I think everyone was disappointed when that came out. And I think that, uh, you know, credit to the prime minister for uh, leaning into it and owning up to, you know, his, his past behavior and saying, you know, this, this is something I did in a different time and context and, um, and, and doing the work to recognize why that was hurtful and why, uh, you know, that, that's clearly not appropriate, you know, in the standards of the world that we live in right now. And I think that that, um, so I, 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 I think that's, that's my sense of, you know, how that episode went. So this is a question we ask all our guests. Uh, Wait, I, lightning round. We got to go yeah, lightning round. This is a lightning round. No, a different lightning round. Okay. All right. Number your, one. Yeah. Best iteration of Dudley Do-Right. Brendan Fraser or no? Brendan Fraser. Brendan Fraser. Best hockey team? Montreal Canadiens. Favorite brand of maple syrup? Unbranded. Straight from the tree, baby. Best Rush album? 2112. Best Rush song? Close to the heart. I'm sorry, the incor- that is incorrect. The correct answer is uh, free will. Red, okay, okay. Yeah. What do you think I was going to say? Like red bruschetta. No, or not even. Like not even close. Free will. Okay. Favorite item at Tim Hortons. Double double. Friendliest city in Canada. Oh, trick Ooh, question. <laughs> that is that's that's tough. But I'm going to go back to Halifax. Least friendly city in Canada. Um, but I'm sure they have many other redeeming qualities. Somewhere not in Canada. <laughs> oh. Okay. Okay. You have to create a uh, basketball team out of former Canadian prime ministers. Who's your point guard? Former. Jean Chrétien. Looks like a good ball. He's got the height. He's good. Favorite country, not Canada or the United States. That's interesting. If you had yeah. to live, if you had to, if you had to either I'm work or live or retire to. Destination. Oh, that is. That's a. That's a. That's a harsh. Um, okay. How about this the one? The true diplomat. Canada has announced that now there is only one flavor of ice cream because they've socialized ice cream. What flavor is it? It's up to you. Rocky Road. Rocky Road. All right. All right. And then you can pick. You are a. Uh, You're shipwrecked. Late fill-in entry. For the slam dunk contest, oh. you can pick one Toronto Raptor to coach you and give you like last minute emergency prep. Who do you call? Kyle Lowry. Excellent. On your way back to Silicon, to, excuse me, to San Francisco, uh, on, you had to take a boat. You and your staff are shipwrecked. You can only bring one book, one movie, one album. What did you bring? Oh, that is that is tough. That's like an that's an ambush question one book um i am going to bring um wayne gretzky's autobiography i gotta read a, a, a book called scotty by ken dryden it's about scotty bowman the the coach the legendary coach of the montreal canadians in buffalo and album i am i'm gonna bring 21 ring mm. rush is that are you just saying that though i'm just gonna say no i think it's you know it's the bathing nostalgia this week and you know all of that i'm gonna bring bring rush and movie and movie i am going to bring let's see um i'm gonna pass on that no movie? No, no. The default answer, and I hate to tell you, is going to be The Passion of the Christ. That's, if we don't, if we don't Christ, get an answer, yeah. and, and it's um, not the Mel Gibson version. The one that they used to send you for free. 
in Alabama. Is there? I no. You know oh what? Gosh. Okay, I'll I'll come back in the movie. Okay. Okay. I am gonna a film by a filmmaker called Denis Arquin, Jesus of Montreal. Oh. I encourage you to look this up. Folks are googling it now. I can hear them. Okay. How much did you cry when Kawhi Leonard left for the Clippers? I was uh, I, I I saw it coming. I saw it coming. You know, like he he wanted to go home. He did. You saw that. Uh, nothing but love on that. Yeah, and yeah. you got you got to love that guy. He yeah. came and did a job. Yeah, and he did it extraordinarily well, and he was a super pro during it. And uh, I think you know Toronto loves that guy. Perhaps one of our most Canadian Americans, Kawhi Leonard. Yes, yes. Nobody nobody says a bad word about him. Not me. No. If our listeners find themselves passing through your fair city of San Francisco, yeah, or uh, and even or tor- Toronto or Montreal. Let's do three. Yeah. Where do they eat? What you they can have one meal in each place. What do oh, they do? Wow. I think in San Francisco. Um, I don't eat out enough in San Francisco these days to you know choose. A, I'm gonna call. I'm gonna phone a friend. Oh, tap, we're tapping in the st- this is I'm gonna, delegation. I'm gonna phone a friend. Can I can I absolutely can I, can I can I phone a friend on this one? Uh you sure can. Yes. Okay. That's a solid oh my choice. god. That's a okay, that choice. is a smart choice. There's also apparently the one restaurant I keep that wanting is... to go to in San Francisco. Everyone keeps telling me about this Burmese place because we have a very good Burmese restaurant here in Honolulu called Rangoon, also Dagon. Um, and everybody says there is just an amazing Burmese restaurant. And I can see uh, Wade, who is uh, giving me the thumbs up behind you. Um, well, Consul General, thank you so much for being here with us today. We, st- we still haven't gotten what? Toronto or Montreal? Toronto. Damn, dude, Montreal. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. Okay, it's it's going to get me in trouble. I mean, I'm telling you. Like, it's like by, by people who, you know, care about the restaurant industry in both those towns. Well, we won't, we won't force true. you to answer Toronto they're, or Montreal. Okay. They're all terrific. They're, they're all, all very good. Yeah, they're all there, are no, there are they're no fantastic. bad restaurants. They're okay, so, so here's my, my short story about if you're a real foodie yeah. and you find yourself in Toronto, yes. don't go downtown. Oh. Don't go, go down. to Scarborough, go to Richmond Hill. What are we getting Markham. there? And those are, you know, some of the most diverse communities in the world. And you are getting, you know, food as, you know, you know, it's 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 at the quality of your mother's table. Ah, OK. And uh, so this is this is high food competitiveness at a global level. Nice. I had I had somebody tell me that one time when I was living in Atlanta, I was talking to this guy, Ethiopian guy, and I was like, I've heard there's good Ethiopian food here. Where do I go? And he said he named the restaurant. He goes, it's it's like the quality of food at your mother's table. And I went and it was the best damn food that I've had in so long. Do you watch uh, Kim? Have you seen the show Kim's Convenience at all? I have. Is that what is that a pretty good representation of Toronto life? That is, um, you know, look, it's uh, it's it's good CBC fiction. I, I <laughs> we encourage like okay. others to to watch a little bit of Kim's Kim's Convenience. Excellent. Where does CBC rate into the, in the uh, letter BC networks? <laughs> I think it's it's up there. It's up there. I, I you know I don't want to you know be down on my. Uh, uh, other competitive countries, but uh, that Anglosphere man—they know what they're doing. That public CBC yeah. is uh, is produces some some high quality stuff, often underrated. Consul General, sorry. you uh, are not a man who's underrated. No, not a, any last. You are words cool and rated well. <laughs> words of wisdom, Canadian aphorisms. Any anything you'd like to share with our audience? Oh wait, I have one more question. Actually, no, my wife told me it's not like a Canadian. It's William Shatner. No, my wife right? told me to ask this. Yeah. What is the name of the band that Gwen Stefani got popular with? No doubt. He said it, honey. Blue Hawaii Podcast. What? Does Jordan not know that? 